Marketing can be an incredible force for good. It can also be complicated and confusing. I'm Erica Mills Barnhart, and I love marketing. On this podcast, I will share everything I know about it with you in the hopes of bringing clarity to the marketing chaos. Motivation is for the mind, inspiration is for the heart, and great marketing has both. So whatever your mission, if you want to make the most of it, this podcast is for you. Welcome to Marketing for Good. You've heard the expression, words matter. Have you ever wondered, like truly wondered, what does that mean? Like, why do they matter? We hear all the time, words matter, words matter, words matter. I mean, Pearl Strackman heard said, handle them carefully for words have the power of atom bombs. And we tend to think of this metaphorically, but in reality, the reason words matter is because words are matter. Each one has its own energetic force. And since they are matter, they are subject to the same universal laws of physics and thermodynamics by which all matter abides. I refer to this as the energetics of language. I thought, I thought about calling this theory or, or whatever it is, wordigy, like word plus energy, like a sniglet, you put them together. But that's just that's just a little cumbersome to say. I'm open to other ideas of what you call this, but let's stick with the energetics of language and let's talk through what this means because this is this is a very different way of thinking about words. All right, so for instance, words are subject to Newton's third law of motion. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Saying or writing or whatevering a word is an action. The word itself has physicality, and it takes on the energy of the mode of delivery. So let's play with it this just, just for a bit. So I'm going to say three words, and I want you to feel the energy. Like, where is it? What type of energy? Upbeat, medium, whatever it is for you, okay? I'm going to say three words. You, you know all these words. There's no, nothing fancy, no tricks. So the first word is walk, simply walk, okay? And I was working um, with a client yesterday, and we, we, we did this activity. And what, what came back, and what usually comes back, is a combination of like kind of medium energy, could be peaceful, right? But but nothing like nothing high vibing, but nothing low either. So so that's walk, right? But what about skip? Now skip by definition, I mean you've skipped, I've skipped. It's tough to skip and not kind of feel upbeat about it, unless you're in like a boot camp, and then sometimes it is, you know, not as fun. But in general, the word skip has kind of a high energy feel to it. Now what about the word trudge? Even like the way I said it was sort of like leading horse to water, right? Trudge. It has like a weight to it, like a like a heaviness. You know, it's almost like a blanket, but not in a cozy way. More like a ooh, you're bringing me down type of way. Now, all three of these words, and these are synonyms fundamentally for a uh, mode of transportation or yeah, well, ambulatory um, that would get you from point A to point B. Walk, skip, trudge. You could walk from here to the coffee shop. You can skip. <laughs> Although that would take a lot, that would take a lot of energy and be a really good workout. Or you could trudge, right? They're 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 all synonyms, but just feel how differently, like feel the difference in the energy of those words. Walk, skip, trudge, just different, right? So also as matter, words are subject to the second law of thermodynamics, and of course, as you'll remember, the second law of thermodynamics tells us that there's a fixed amount of energy in all systems. 
So this explains why some words seem to lose energy over time, right? They, 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 they lose energy over time. So if you keep using the same word over and over and over again, it, it just depletes over time. Right. And as with all things, our brains start to notice it less and less because the novelty wears off. And, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a word or I mean, it can be anything that our brain comes into contact with. If it is new and it is novel, our brain actually is it's not super picky about what the newness is. Um, it will notice if it is new and that wears off over time. Right. So think of the word COVID. When we first started hearing it, it made our ears perk up and our hearts race. Right. There, it was like, danger. It was new and it was scary. It's still scary, right? It's still scary and it's not new. So everywhere we turn, it's COVID this and COVID that. What we don't hear as much, the word that we don't hear as much that we heard sort of in the beginning of 2020 when all of this was just, you know, amping up was the word coronavirus. So just take a moment here and, and notice how those words land for you, COVID versus coronavirus. Coronavirus, now we know what it is. And just because we don't hear it as much, our brains kind of perk up a little bit more. And these words have different energy. So, you know, actually in the early days, I totally will out myself. I, I had this moment, I'm like, I don't think I know the difference between coronavirus and COVID. Are they interchangeable? Then we learned, of course, that coronavirus is, as the name implies, the virus. And COVID is the disease that you can get from coronavirus. So I got kind of interested in this. And I, so I was looking at um, Google Trends. And in the U.S., COVID is used way more than the word coronavirus, like way more. And in fact, that's true globally, save for in Austria and Germany, both places where they speak German. So I don't know if that's something about the German language um, and usage. I don't know. I find that very intriguing. But everywhere else in the world, regardless of language, we were, we were referring to the disease much more than the virus. And as a result, over time, COVID became less novel. Coronavirus, you know, isn't as novel as it was when we first heard about it, but it is more so than COVID. So their energies are different out of the gate. And then one energy has been depleted over time. Let's look at another example and cover your ears if you don't like swearing, because I'm about to channel my inner Megan McNally, who <laughs> you can listen to on episode 12 and of her own admission swears like a trucker. I mean, she did found the F-bomb breakfast club. So there's that. Okay. So, so the second example is the word fuck. When I was growing up, like you never heard anybody say this word. I don't even know how old I was when I first heard this word, but like, I was not a spring chicken. I was like older. And then, you know, like if somebody actually said it, it's like a jolt, right? Because it was so unusual to hear it. And, and this word has like, if you compare it to other swear words, and I will not go down the list because I know that swearing can be triggering for some folks, but you, you know, if you want to talk about energy, you can do that in your own, in your, in your mind, right. Or out loud, they have a different energy, but again, as with COVID, because now, I mean, we absolutely hear the word fuck all the time to the point that in some movies, I'm like, does it even have any meaning? I don't know. So it is, you know, it's not as shocking. I mean, it is the only word in the English language. I find this so fascinating. They can be used as every part of speech. So it gets a gold star for flexibility and being able to shine <laughs> in a wide variety of environments. But, but put another way, because of its versatility, but also just the sheer increase in usage, which again, you can look at Google Trends and, and see that this is a thing, it has lost some of its energy, some of its spark. I mean, it's not like saying, darn it, you know, it has more zing than that still for sure, but its linguistic battery has been depleted. 
it has been depleted. Okay. So what do these insights mean for you aside from now, you know, whether or not you're networking online or in person, you have some like fun facts, right? Who doesn't want to talk about the laws of motion and thermodynamics? Um, Someone who wants to use language, someone like you to make the world a better place. What does this mean for you? Practically speaking, it means that you want to be attentive to the energy of the words you are using, not just attentive to the words as we think of them, usually in like the more cerebral, like, is that, is that the word that means what I want it to mean? Also just sidebar here, you know, there's always two things happening in any communication. There's what is said or written received, let's stick with received. So it can be any mode of communication. So there's what is received and there, you know, there's what's sent out and then there's what's received. So there is the speaker and there's the listener, there's the writer and there's the reader. And we will have different interpretations based on our life experience and, and all the rest of it, right? So yes, continue to pay attention to that, to continue to wonder how your words will land in terms of the technical definitions of them. But what I'm inviting you to do is a little bit different, right? I literally want you to start wondering and noticing the energy, the different words and different collections of words also referred to as sentences give off. Okay. So not just their meaning, their energy. So back to walk, skip, trudge. Those are all synonyms, right? But they each have a very different energy. So this is why when I work with clients, I almost never, ever ask the question. I really try never to ask the question. What do you think? Right. So like we've worked together, I've developed some messaging, I'm showing it to them. We're going through it. I don't say, what do you think? Because that invites them to like into a place that is all above the neck, right? All in their head. And language is based in emotion, right? We can, we can look at that as well and go back to both emotion and motivation. The root is the word mo, which is from Latin motar, which means action. Right. And in French, the word for word is mo. Okay. So all of this, it really is about emotion. So it's like, what, what I ask is, and at first people will raise an eyebrow and you're probably like, wow, Erica, like you are hopping on that woo-woo train, but let's just remind ourselves that this is actually grounded in science. Right. And you know what? I'm okay with being on the woo-woo train because what I ask is how does that make you feel when you see this new mission statement, new vision, purpose, when you see your values and the definitions that we've come up with, how do they make you feel? And if they make you feel, right, our work's not done. And it's such a cool experience. I mean, I just, I just have to say with every single client I work with, you can feel it in the group when they are there. And I can I can never promise a client like, oh, you know, you're going to get there next Thursday or you're going to get there four weeks from now. But I can guarantee that there will be a moment when maybe not every single, I mean, with big clients, you know, maybe it's not everybody, but where the majority come to this, um, just the same place in terms of like, yeah, yeah, that speaks so powerfully and truly to what we do and why we do it. We're there. Right. Um, and this is, this is especially true of what I call the identity statements, mission, vision, values, purpose, which I cover in episode 27. So if you're curious about that um, and, and those statements and kind of the definitions that I give them and how I use them, um, you can go listen to episode 27. Right. Because those statements are like they are the essence of who you are as an organization or if you're doing it for, for you personally, who you are as an individual. So 
So that's why like getting out of the head and into the body, not just the heart, but into the whole body, it's so much more actionable. I mean, I really have to say when I made this shift in terms of working with my clients, it was, it's tough because oftentimes you'd like, what do you think? You know, that draws in like, well, I don't know, technically we kind of do X, Y, Z. And so this is a little off. It's just that actually is less actionable than like the energy on this is flat. This doesn't capture how we activate. It doesn't capture like the, you know, the energy that we are putting out to the world. So things like flat or too perky or whatever, which this ties to brand personality, obviously as well, you want to stay in alignment with that. It just tends to be way more actionable. So that was kind of a cool discovery. Okay. Again, this may seem a little woo-woo. And this is a very, 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 very different way of thinking about words. And I just, if your brain is cramping, I totally get that. And just to be clear, I am not saying that your messaging and communications can be utter gobbledygook. Like you can't sit back and be like, whoa, the vibe's right, dude, right? And have people be like, yes, but I have no idea what you're saying. (laughs) That is not the counsel that I'm offering. (laughs) What I'm saying is you can use this insight about the energetics of language to increase the impact of your communications, of each email, of each newsletter, each op-ed you pen, right? All of them, you could increase the impact by really applying uh, these principles of the energetics of language and starting to wonder like, how's that, how does that feel to me? And how is that going to feel to the receiver of this communication? This is why oftentimes when it comes to messaging and communications, oftentimes, not all the time, but often less is more. Uh, why It is why communicating the essence is so much more effective than your everything. I mean, we've covered this in prior episodes, but when you tell someone you're everything, they remember nothing. So there's that. And since word of mouth marketing is still the one of the most cost-effective um, modes of communication, you, you want people to not just remember what you've said, but also be able to repeat it, right? So that's why the essence matters. Also, when you clearly and compellingly communicate the essence of what you do, why you do it, right? You up the odds that the reaction to each word will be greater, right? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And if, uh, you know, just by really distilling it down, Every single one of the words and the collection of words has a greater impact. It can go further for you. It can go further for you. This accelerates and amplifies progress towards your goals. It increases the velocity at which you can achieve your vision, right? That's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. And all of us go through about 15,000 words a day. Right. So, and words are, you know, I think of them as like one of the ultimate renewable resources. So yes, they can use their energy, but there's a different word that hasn't been, that has latent energy because it hasn't been used as much. Right. And we get, we get to cycle through this. Um, So there's, there's always this word with the right energy out there waiting for you. The work is to find it. The work is to be curious enough and open enough um, to go find those words. So there, my friend, is the energetics of language in a nutshell. I, I just, I really hope you're going to start playing with this idea of the energy of your words, which have fun. You know, this shouldn't be drudgery. One of the things that really bums me out is when I see folks and they're just like working so hard to find the right word. And it's just taking all the joy out of it, right? It's not that you're, the words that you land on will necessarily be sparky. That would be truly off-brand for a lot of organizations, but but the process itself, I mean, this is exploration. So 
keep your mind open, keep your heart open, right? Like this should be fun. If it's drudgery, take a break. Also, if you need or want someone to play with words uh, with you to work to find that right energetic balance for your messaging, reach out to me. I love creating powerful messaging for purpose-driven clients. I re- like really, truly do. It's what lights me up. <laughs> so reach out, get in touch, and let's make it happen. Okay. But even if you even if you decide not to do this, you know, within your organization, many listeners, you know, are leaders. And so you, you know, you go pretty quickly to like, okay, how can I implement this? And I just want to say, like, if you stand up at the next staff or board meeting, you're like, let's talk about the energetics of language. You know, you may have mixed responses. I'm happy to come in and talk about that because clearly there are a few things I love talking about more. But you know, you want to tread a little lightly. Start with like doing it, um, you know, doing it personally. Really, like start with your email, start with your text messages, right? That, like that can be a very low bar um, for you where you begin playing with this idea of the energetics of language. Okay. I'm so excited about seeing how this plays out for leaders, for organizations, for people who really want to make the world a better place. Let me know. Let me know how it goes. Let me know how you're playing with the energetics of language goes. Okay. As always, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for the work you are doing in the world. The world is a better place because of you. You are incredible. You are amazing. You are awesome. Never forget it. Do good, be well, and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Marketing for Good podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like more information about Claxon University, how to make more impact in and for your organization, or hiring me to speak or coach, go to klaxonmarketing.com or reach out at info at klaxonmarketing.com. Again, thanks for listening, and thanks for making our world a better place.